Hey guys, tonight California House Radio, I'm going to be reading about celebrating Yuletide in different lands. I'll be right back. Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing the day after Christmas? It's always a letdown that Christmas comes, and then it's like, like that, like you always say, so it's the day after Christmas. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation based out of Sacramento, California. We are 30, 45 strong up and down the state, which means we can get to you. The problem is, California is, is a huge state, so it may take us a little bit more of a while to get to you, but we will get to you. In the meantime, we do have psychics on staff who can phone you and in most cases calm down things that are going on until we can get out there to do our thing. I see my little internet light is on, so that means there's a lot of people online today. I just wonder what happened because that's usually indicating something big happened. So whatever it is, I'm unaware of it. Okay, just a few words today about this. Uh, remember, you guys might remember that Friday I told you and I told Nancy that I had been having some interesting issues going on Friday and uh yeah it's all about Friday and so tomorrow I get to go to the clinic and have my my right eye checked uh so I'm in the glasses and uh <laughs> and it's never a good thing I can't drive at night in them I can drive during the day you know with effort I know I can drive during the day but it's not comfortable really for me driving at night so Thursday night we are scheduled to do the theater of lights and we are going to do that my producer will be my chauffeur on thursday night so i won't have to drive but uh for the rest of the week i'm trying to keep it toned down a little bit because it's very hard for me to see the computer screen uh you know and, and to do stuff on, on on my laptop so uh it's pretty much going to be reading every night you know from the different books uh tonight we're going to read real tide in different lands you know and learn about uh the history of Yuletide, and we'll probably read from from Sylvia uh, Schultz's book tomorrow night, so we'll kind of rotate it through until Friday when Nancy Matz will be on. Either way, when I go to the doctor tomorrow, it's going to be five to seven days that I cannot wear my contacts. So we're looking at mid-next week sometime before I can actually uh, use my real eyeballs again. So it's unfortunate, but it happened, and uh, just one of those things, just one of those things. Anyway, I want to welcome you all. If you're watching from Facebook and you like what you hear and see today, maybe you, know, maybe you enjoy sitting in front of the fire, drinking eggnog or cocoa or whatever, and listen to someone tell stories, this is your thing. Uh, or you really like the paranormal and you've listened to the show before, but you just haven't um, clicked on that uh, follow yet, uh, please do, because we're always looking for followers. And uh, you, you, again, you can find us on Facebook under California Haunts, California Haunts Radio, California Haunts uh, Ghostly Events. We're all over the place. California Haunts 
Paranormal Investigation Team, and you can find us under Sacramento Sears, which is S-E-E-R-S. Uh, YouTube, same thing. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. We, you know, we just don't read books here. We uh, actually have guests on talking about the paranormal, and uh, so we're, that's going to start again, start up again next Monday, to where we have you know consistent guests on the show. So uh, if you're interested, it's something you like, uh, hit that subscribe button. We're trying to reach our thousand subscribers this year, early, early. I was hoping to do it before the first year, but it's kind of been slow. So just push that button. That's all I ask. Also, there's eight, there's over 800 videos sitting over at YouTube, and you can check everything. It's got every kind of topic you can think of over there. Anything paranormal, I've got it for you. I've interviewed it. I've interviewed a person for it, okay? I've talked about it. So go ahead and check that out as well. Uh, during the show tonight, if you like, again, if you like what you hear, be sure to leave me a thumbs up, okay? Be sure to leave me a thumbs up, a happy face, and... Uh, you know, things like that, because what that does, and comment in the chat room, because what that does is it puts us in the FYP, it gets Facebook's Facebook and YouTube's attention to put us higher out in that FYP, which puts us into cyberspace, and more people can access us, and it pops up on more people's feeds. So if you could do that, I'd really appreciate it. That would be great. Um, so yeah, so tonight we're going to be reading from Yuletide in different lands. Um, we'll be going through uh, country by country. Tonight, we're going to start in Paris. Uh, not Paris, but France. We're gonna start. We're gonna start in France, and read about the the customs. Now these aren't current customs, okay? And I want you to, I want you guys to understand that these aren't current customs. These are customs from way back in the early nineteen, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds customs. This book was written in nineteen oh eight, and it was last published in nineteen sixteen. So that gives you an idea how far back these things go. But it's always interesting to see, you know what traditions that were back then as, a, as opposed to what traditions are now. Like when we looked at England, you know, and we looked at the boar's head and the pheasants and all that for, for Christmas dinner. So, um, you know, it, it's just interesting to see. Another one that got us the other day that I, I was discussing with some of the team members was Lapland. And Lapland, uh, from, from what I read in here, they had no concept for Santa. They, they didn't, Santa Claus or St. Nicholas, they didn't believe in any of that. But the funny thing is about Lapland is that Lapland, now you can go to Lapland and visit Santa Claus. That's their whole marketing gig over there. It's a, Lapland is, is in Finland, okay? It's right at the Arctic Circle. And so that's their claim to fame is Santa Claus. So they have a Santa Claus hotel, restaurant, and they also have a Santa Claus village, in this uh, which is year-round where you can take your kids and your family. It's a whole family thing. So it's kind of funny how, you know, like I said, way back then, they didn't, focus on that. That, that that wasn't a thing okay but now it's a huge thing it's a huge marketing thing for them so there you have it you know there you have the changes and that's why i love reading about let me do this here santa surfing and he's kind of going downhill here hang on but that's why you know i wanted to do this book because i enjoy history i love history and i just thought it'd be a cool thing to kind of see what they did many many years ago okay all right, so I'm going to start reading from this book. Uh, I was able to get it on, onto my tablet because I knew if I had to read on the computer screen, on the laptop screen, that it wasn't going to happen. So I was able to get this thing on, on my tablet, and so I'll be reading off my tablet. So just to let you know. So again, you don't have to watch me read. You can just put, put me off on the table somewhere and just listen to me read, right? You can take me, if you're doing laundry, you're making dinner, take me into the kitchen, take me in your laundry room. I'm, I'm good with it. Uh, I like taking trips, so you can take me anywhere you want, you know. Bathroom, eh, I don't know about that. 
but yeah, but uh, take me with you, take me with you. And uh, so we're going to learn some history. So I'll read for about, uh, like, the, like the Sunday routine, I'll read for about an hour and then we'll call it a night. And also this week, I did get some really cool Christmas gifts for my family. I'm real excited about them. Uh, and this, this sounds silly. I'm a big kid at heart. So, so I got a lot, I got one of those new light brights that's Disney. So we are going to be doing that. Maybe after a show, we'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do the show. And then right after the show, I'll switch studios and we'll just like I did when I decorated the gingerbread house, right? Go in there and, uh, do something with the light bright. I got, I got a couple Legos. So maybe, you know, after a show this week, we'll go in there and, I'll do some Lego work. I've got a nice uh, Marvel Lego from, from my niece and nephew and uh, two nephews. And I also have a Yoda Lego that I haven't put together yet. Real good size Yoda Lego. So I, I'd like to do that this week. And my, uh, and my other niece gave me some hot cocoa stuff, you know, to make so we can see what it's like. Cause I've got some really cool hot cocoa mixes. In addition, in addition, I got a cookie decorating kit gingerbread cookie decorating kit so we can do that so there's plenty to do you know in between all this and uh and uh so we're, we're gonna have some fun not tonight but starting tomorrow night and again thursday night my producer will be the chauffeur for doing a live show in old sacramento of theater of lights okay well without further ado again um we're going to be starting in france i was hopefully it stays queued up because it just went black i don't like standby and uh, we're going to start in France. And we've only got four uh, four chapters to go in this book. There's four countries to go. So, um, yeah, there's four countries to go. So we're just going to go with it. Okay? And I just want to make sure, you know, the sound. I've been moving the sound around in here. So let me make double check. You can see how blind I am. And I'm going to try and do the sound without messing it up. And double check. There we go. Now I know where we're at. Speaker, speaker, speaker. Okay. Just want to make sure what sound we were on and make sure all that's legit. So I want to thank everybody who's watching because I know there's some people watching already. I got a like. All right. Thank you, Joseph. I appreciate it. Jo Joseph Ladato is a good friend of mine. So we're going to read from uh, Yule Tides in Different Lands. And again, bear in mind that, like I said, like with Lapland, this stuff's going to be a little different. Okay. This is back 19. This is back in the. Um, mid 1800s into the early 1900s that people did this. So just bear that in mind. Let me cue it up. So at 639 now, we will retell 739 tonight. And then I get to teach class. So, okay. Okay. Chapter, whatever it is. Roman numerals. I'm not even going to go there either. Yuletide in France. Quote, I hear along our street Past the minstrel throngs, hark, they play so sweet on their hot boys' Christmas songs. Somebody named Carol. Maybe it's Carol the writer, right? One would naturally imagine that such pleasure-loving people as the French would make much of Christmas. But instead of this, we find that with them, excepting in a few provinces and places remote from cities, it is the least observed of all the holidays. All right, for my friend George the, George the Rose, remember, this is old stuff, okay? This is old history. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to offend anybody with this stuff. It was once a very gay season, but now Paris scarcely recognizes the day except in churches. The shops, as in most large cities, display elegant goods, pretty toys, a great variety of sweetness, 
sweetmeats, and tastefully trimmed Christmas trees, for that wonderful tree is fast spreading over Europe, especially wherever the Anglo-Saxon and Teutonic races have settled. Confectioners offer a tempting supply of nowlets, little delicate cakes with, with a sugar figure of Christ on the top. Pretty boxes made of chocolate containing candy in the form of fruits, vegetables, musical instruments, and even boots and shoes, and all manner of quaint artistic sugar devices to be used as gifts or table decorations. Early in December, wooden booths and open-air stands were erected throughout the shopping districts for the sale of Christmas goods. At night, they are lighted, and through the day and evening, they are gay with shoppers. Many of the booths contain evergreens and fresh green boughs for making the arbor de... Ah, Abre de Nau. I tried that one. I'm not too French. This is a hoop tied with bunches of green, interspersed with rosy apples, nuts, and highly colored, gaily ornamented eggshells that have been carefully blown for the purpose. Ah, now we know where Reese came from. The hoops are hung in sitting rooms or kitchens, but are used more in the country than in the cities. Although the cities are filled with yuletide shoppers and lovely wares, in order to enjoy the veritable Merry Christmas, one must seek some retired town some retired town, and if possibly, gain access to a home of ancient date, where the family keep the customs of their ancestors. There, he will find the day, the day de, de, devoutly and solemn observed, and legend and superstitions concerning every observance of the day. He will find the great anxiety that great anxiety is, is events regarding the weather during the twelve days preceding Christmas as that portends the state of the weather for the ensuing 12 months. Interesting. He will notice that unlike the Yule logs of other countries, those of France are not to be sat on. For if any chance of a person, for any chance a person sits on a Yule log, he will experience such pain as will prevent his partaking of the Christmas dinner. He will also find that the log has benevolent powers, and if his shoe is left beside it during the night, it will be filled with peppermints or candy. The ashes of the log are believed to be a protection against lightning and bad luck, so some will be stored away beneath the bed of the master of the house as a means of procuring good fortune and other blessings during the coming year. And if he chances to fall sick, some of the ashes will probably be infused into his medicine and given to him. If the log, the cossi now, hope it's it right now, is of oak and filled at midnight. It is supposed to be much more efficacious. Therefore, all who, all who can do so procure an oaken log, at least. In some families, where the, yule, where the yule log is lighted, it is the custom to have it brought into the room by the oldest and youngest members of the family. The oldest member is expected to pour three libations of wine upon the log while voicing an invocation in behalf of wealth, health, and general good fortune for the household. After which the youngest member, B, and it be he in a few days or a few months old, drinks the newly lighted fire. Whoa. The emblem of the new light of another year. Oh, drinks to the, I'm sorry, drinks to the newly lighted fire. I thought, wow, that's crazy. Okay. Each year, each member present follows the example set by the youngest and drinks to the new light. Yuletide in France begins on St. Barbara's Day, December 4th, when it is customary to plant grain in little ditches little dishes of earth <laughs> for this saint's use as a means of informing her, her devotees what manner of crops to expect during the forthcoming year. If the grain comes up and is flourishing at Christmas, the crops will be abundant. Each dish 
a fresh green grain, is used for a centerpiece on the dinner table for several days previous to Christmas. Children go into the woods and fields to gather laurel, holly, ripe berries, and pretty lichens with which to build a creche, their tribute and commemoration of the birth of Christ. It is a representation of the holy manger, which the little folks build on a table in the corner of the living room. With bits of stones, they, they form a hill, partly covering the rocky surface with green and sometimes sprinkling it with flour to produce the effect of snow. On and about the hill, they arrange tiny figures of men and beasts, and above the summit, they suspend a bright star, a white dove, or a gilded figure of Jehovah. After the ceremony of lighting the old log on Christmas Eve, the children light up the creche with small candles, often tricolored in honor of, of the Trinity. Throughout the work of gathering the material and making and lighting the creche, they sing carols in praise of, of little Jesus. In fact, young and old accompanied their Yuletide labors with carols, such as their parents and grandparents sang before them, the famous Noels of the country. The children continue to light their creche each night until Ithamy, the family gathering around and joining in singing one or more of the well-known Noels. For, and here we go, quote, Shepherds at the Grange, where the babe was born, sang with many a change, Christmas carols until morn. Let us by fire ever higher sing them till the night expires. End quote. On the eve of Ephemy, the children all march forth to meet the Magi, who are yearly expected, but who yearly disappoint the wedding ones. The custom of hanging sheaves of wheat to the eaves of the houses for the birds, Christmas, so commonly observed throughout the cooler countries, is also observed by the children of France and the animals are given special care and attention at this joyous season. Each house cat is, get, is given all it, can, all it can eat on Christmas Eve, for if by any chance it muse, bad luck is sure to follow. Of course, God, that happened at my house. They muse all night. I'm in trouble. Of course, a great deal is done for the poorer class at Christmas. Food, clothing, and useful gifts are liberally bestowed, and so far as it is possible, the season is one of goodwill and good cheer for all. Yet the French still hold to many of the Christ Christmas customs bequeathed them by their Aryan ancestors. New Year's Day shows the influence of their Roman conquerors, for a combination of northern and southern customs is noticeable on that occasion. Each public official, official <laughs> each public official takes a seat of office on that day, after the manner of the Romans. Family feasting, exchanging of gifts among friends, and merrymaking are features of New Year's Day rather than of Christmas in France. Although children delight in placing their sabots or shoes on the hearth for the Christ child to fill with gifts on Christmas Eve. In early times, New Year's Day was the occasion of the Festival of Fools, when the wildest hilarity prevailed, and for upward of 240 years that custom continued in favor. Now, Christmas is essentially the church festival. New Year's Day is the social festival. And and for me, I hope I'm saying it right, is the oldest festival observed during Yuletide in France. Epiphany. Epiphany. That's what it is. The latter festival is derived from the Roman Saturnalia, the main feature of the celebration being lawlessness and wild, run, wild fun. Many of the features of the former times are no longer in vogue, but the Twelfth Night Supper still continues in favor when songs, toasts, and a general good time finishes the holiday season. December is really the month of song in France. From the first 
from the first to the last, everyone who can utter a sound is singing. Singing, singing, singing. Strolling musicians go from house to house, playing and singing their wells. At old and young, of all classes in society, at home and abroad, on their way to church or to the market, at work or at play, may be heard singing these fascinating carols. Their well signifies good news, and it has been a greeting for the season since the earliest observance of Christmas. The word is on every tongue. Okay, the word, okay. The word is on every tongue, salutations, invocations, and songs. Begin and end with it. Carols peculiarly adapted to the day or season and time came to be known as the wells. Okay, you learned something new today. And these songs would be heard everywhere in France during the holidays of Yuletide. Here's a song. I don't know <laughs> I don't know what the what what the rhythm is behind it, but I'm just gonna go with it. Quote, our psalm of joy to God ascending filleth our souls with holy fame. This day the Savior child was born. Dark was the night that now was ending. But on the dawn were angels tending. Hail Christmas, hail Christmas morn. Quote, in faith we see thee, Virgin Mother. Still clasp thy son and in his eyes. Seek heaven's own light that in them lies. Though narrow shed his might confineth. Though low in the manger he reclineth. Bright on his brow, a glory shineth. Quote, O Savior King, hear when we call thee. O Lord of angels, glorious the song, the song thy ransomed people raised. Would that our hearts from sin and sorrow, that earthly bondage now might sever. We, the Lord, reign forever and ever. End quote. All right. We're moving on to Yuletide in Italy. Quote, over the mournful lands and bare without a sound, gently in broadening flakes descends the snow. In velvet layers beneath its pallid glow, silent, immaculate, old earth is bound. That's by Edmund Diamisis. Diamisis. Italy, the land of Dante, Pictarch, Boccaccio, Raphael, Michelangelo, and a host of other shining lights in literature and art. Can we imagine any of them as a boy? watching eagerly for Christmas to arrive, saving up money for weeks to purchase some coveted dainty of the season, rushing through crowded streets on Christmas Eve to view the Bambino and possibly have an opportunity to kiss its pretty bare toe. How strange it all seems, yet boys today probably do many of the same things they did the long, that long ago during the observance of this holy season in historic artistic Italy. In November, while flowers are yet in bloom, Preparations are begun for the coming festivities. City streets and shops are crowded with Christmas shoppers, for besides all the gifts that are purchased by the Italians, there are those bought by travelers and foreign residents to be sent to loved ones at home or to be used in their own observance of the day, which is usually after the manner of their respective countries. So shopping is lively from about the 1st of November until the New Year. The principal streets are full of carriages, the shops are full of the choicest wares, and it is to be hoped that the pocketbooks are full of money wherewith to purchase the beautiful articles displayed. During the novena, or eight days preceding Christmas, in some provinces, shepherds go from house to house inquiring if Christmas is to be kept there. If it is, they leave a wooden spoon to mark the place, and later bring their bagpipes or some other musical instruments and play before it, singing one of the sweet nativity songs of which the following is a favorite. Quote, Forever hallowed be the night when Christ was born, for then the saints did see 
the holy star of morn. So, Anastasius and St. Joseph old, they did that blessed sight behold. Chorus, in which old present join, when Father, Son, and Holy Ghost unite, the man may saved be. End quotes. It is expected that those who have a principio are ready by this time to receive guests to pray before it and strolling musicians to sing before it. For the principio is the principal feature of an Italian Christmas. It is made as expensive as its owner can afford, and sometimes much more so. It is a miniature representation of the birthplace of Christ, showing the Holy Family, Joseph, Mary, and the infant Jesus in the manger, or, more frequently, the manger awaiting the infant. This is a doll that is brought in later, around that each person in the room may pray before it, and is then solemnly deposited in the manger. There are angels and other figures, several inches high, carved in wood, usually sycamore, prettily colored, introduced, and arranged to represent the scene in Bethlehem, which the season commemorates. When the festivities cease, the Principio is taken apart and carefully stored away for use another year. During the novena, children go about reciting Christmas pieces, receiving money from those who gather around them to listen, and later they spend their earnings in buying eels or some other substantial delicacy of the season. The sepo, or yule log, is lighted at 2 o'clock the day previous to Christmas. On the kitchen hearth in the provinces where it is sufficiently cold to have a hearth, and fires are lighted in other rooms, for here, as elsewhere, fire and light are necessary adjuncts of Christmas. During the 24 hours preceding Christmas Eve, a rigid fast is observed, and there is an absence of Christmas cheer in the atmosphere, for the season is strictly a religious one rather than of a social nature, like that of northern countries. At early twilight, candles are lighted around the recipio, the, the, the recipio and the little folks recite before it some poem suitable for the occasion. Then follows the banquet made as elaborate as possible. The, menus vary, the menu varies in different parts of the country, but in every part, fish forms an important item of food. In many places, a capon stuffed with chestnuts is considered indispensable, and the family purse is often stretched to its utmost to provide this luxury. Yet rich and poor deem this one article of food absolutely necessary on this occasion. Macaroni is, of course, the ever-present dish on all occasions throughout the country, and various sweetmeats are abundantly provided. Then comes the drawing of presents from the urn of fate, a custom common to many communities. As the parcels are interspersed with banks, the drawing from the urn creates much excitement with no little disappointment among the children. Who do not always understand that there will be a gift for each one, notwithstanding the banks, the blanks. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. So I guess there's 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 presents, and then you can draw a blank when you're reaching into this thing. That's what they're saying. There is no evergreen used in either church or home trimmings, but flowers, natural or artificial, are used instead. Soon after nine o'clock, the people, young and old, leave their homes for some church in which the Christmas Eve services begin by ten o'clock. Bright holly berries, sweet violets, stately chrysanthemums, and pretty olive trees bedecked with oranges. Be, yeah, bedecked with oranges, such as are brought by those accustomed to having a Christmas tree, are displayed in shops and along the trees. Along the streets, near it, near it, nearly all of which are hung with bright lanterns. The people carry flaming torches to add to the general brightness of the evening, and in some cities, 
fireworks are set off. From their sun-worshipping Aryan ancestors, Italy derives the custom of burning the sepal, the light of light and fire, and many other customs. A few of these may be traced to Roman influence. Unfortunately, many, very many, of the old customs, once so generally observed throughout Italy, are now passing out of use. During the past few years, several benevolent societies have distributed presents among the poor and needy at Christmas time, an event that is known as the Alberto di Natale, the tree of, the tree of nativity. But little boys and girls of Italy do not yet know the delight of having a real Christmas tree hung with lovely gifts, such as we have in America. At sunset on Christmas Eve, the booming of cannon from the castle of St. Angelo announces the beginning of the holy season. Papal banners are displayed from the castle, and crowds wend their way to the streets towards St. Peter's, the object of everyone's desire who is so fortunate as to be in Rome this season. For there, the service is the most magnificent in the world. Every Roman Catholic church is crowded on holy night with men, women, and children, anxious to see the procession of church officials in their beautiful robes who carry the bambino about the church for the worshippers to behold and kiss its robes or its toe. The larger, church, the larger the church, the more beautiful the sight, generally, although to a Protestant beholder, the smaller churches, with their enforced simplicity, often prove more satisfactory to the spirit of worship. But whether the officials are clothed in scarlet robes, ermine capes, or purple cassocks, and the walls covered with silken hangings of gold and crimson, with thousands of wax tapers lighted, and the real flowers adoring the altar and organ pipes, whether the Madonna on the left of the altar is attired in the satin and gleaming with precious jewels, and the Precipio on the right is a marvel of elegance, with the Bambino wrapped in gold and silver tissue studded with jewels, or whether all is of a humble, simple character. The devout watch eagerly for the appearance of the babe to be laid in the manger when the midnight bells peal forth the glad tidings of his, of, uh, of his birth. In each church, the organ sounds its joyous accompaniment to the sweet voices of the choir, which sings the mag which sings <clears throat> which sings I'll leave it at that. The music is in itself a rare treat. To listeners, as it's always the best, the very best that can be procured. At two o'clock on the very Christmas morning, the shepherd's hymn is chanted, and at five o'clock, the first time mass is held. The first time mass. In some of the larger churches, solemn vespers are are held Christmas afternoon, when the holy cradle is carried out among the audience. At St. Peter's, it is required that all men present shall wear dress suits and that the women be clothed in black, which offsets the brilliancy of the robes worn by the church officials, for even the guards on duty are in elegant red and white uniforms. About 10 o'clock in the evening, a procession of monks, priests, bishops, and cardinals, walking two and two, enters the vast building, just as the great choir of male voices with organ accompaniment sounds forth, the, sounds forth everyone. Sorry, I can't say that word. It's, it's Italian. You have to bear with me. The procession is long, glory in color, and very attractive to the eye. But the object of each Roman's desire is to see the Pope, who in magnificent robes and seated in his crimson chair is borne aloft on the shoulders of four men clothed in violet. On the Pope's head gleams his richly gemmed tiara, and his heavy robes sparkle with costly jewels. Waving in front of his eminence are two huge fans of white ostrich feathers set with eyes of peacock feathers. 
to signify the purity and watchfulness of this highest church functionaries. Before his holiness marched the 60 Roman noblemen, his guard of honor, who formed his escort at all church festivals, while cardinals, bishops, and others, according to their rank, marched beside him or near at hand. With his thumb and two fingers extended in recognition of the Trinity, and at the same time showing the ring of St. Peter, which he always wears, the Pope, followed by the ecclesiastic profession, passes down the nave between the files of soldiers, blessing the people as he goes. Upon reaching the altar, the Pope is escorted to an elevated seat while the chair sings the psalm, while the choir, <laughs> the chair, while the choir sings the psalm of Canon of St. Angelo, the citadel of Rome, which was built in the time of Emperor Hadrian moves forth, and every Roman Catholic bows his head in prayer, wheresoever he may be. At the close of the service, the gorgeous procession again is formed, and the Pope is carried out of the church, blessing the multitude as he passes. New Year is the great social feature of Yuletide in Italy. Visits and some presents are exchanged among friends. Dinner parties, receptions, and feats of all kinds are in order. But all interest centers in the church observance until Epiphany, or Bafana, as Italians term it. When children hang up their stockings, creeple boxes are exchanged, and people indulge in home pleasures to some extent. The wild hilarity of, of Saturnalia festivities of former times and fast are, is fast dying out. For the growth of cities and towns has not proved conducive to such observances and only in the smaller places is anything of the sort observed. Yuletide in Italy at the present day is principally a church festival. This, remember, this was back in the late eight, in the mid-1800s to the early 1900s. The Eve of Christmas, 1901. See? Come with the yearly feast, the wondrous holy night, worthy of sacred hymn and solemn rite. No harbingers of joy, the olden message sing, nor gifts of peace, to waiting mortals bring. Alone the thronging hosts of evil men I hear, and see the anxious brow and falling fear. The age will bear no yoke, forgets the God above, nor duteous payment yields to parents' love. Suspicious discord rends the peaceful state in twain, and busy murder follows in her train. Gone are the loyal faith, the rights revered but of old, reigns but a blind and cruel lust of gold. O come, the holy child, pity the fallen world, lest it should perish in the darkness hurled, out of the laboring night, granted a newer birth, and a new age to bloomer to bloom o'er the earth. Circle with splendors old, the brow of faith divine, let her full glory on the nation shine. Nerve her, nerve her to battlings now, palsy her foes with dread, place the victorious laurel upon her head. Be errors must be errors mis dissolved and ancient feuds repressed, till earth at last find quietude and rest. O gentle peace, return nor evermore depart, and link us hand in hand and heart to heart. Pope Leo. Pope Leo. I'll leave it at Pope Leo. Leo X I I I. That's all I can tell you. I do not do Roman numerals. Translated by H. T. Henry. Now we're moving on to Spain. Yuletide in Spain. I'm going to have a quick drink of water here. We shall continue with Yuletide in Spain.
And yes, I will WD-40 my chair tomorrow, I promise. Quote, With antics and with fooleries, with shouting and with laughter, they fill the streets of Burgos, the devil he comes after. End quote. In Spain, the land of romance and song, of frost and flowers, where you where Yuletide, the mountains were a mantle, a pure white, while flowers bloom gaily in field and garden. The season of observance approaches more nearly than in any other country than to the Roman Saturnalia. The Celts, who taught the Spaniards the love of ballads and song, left some traces of the sun worshippers' traditions, but there are a few com in comparison with those of European countries. Spain is a land apparently out of line with Luden's travel and influence, where one looks in vain for the mysterious mistletoe, the pretty holly, and the joyful Christmas tree. The season is rigidly observed in churches, but otherwise it loses its spirit of devotion in that, the wild, you know, in that of wild revelry. Music, birth, and hilarity are the leading features of the occasion, and home and family pleasures are secondary affairs. Of course, the customs vary in different provinces, some of which still cling to primitive forms of observances, while others are fast adopting those of foreign residents and becoming continental in style. But everywhere, throughout the land, Christmas is a day of days, the great church festival observed by all. The Noche Buena, or Good Night, preceding Christmas. Why is the shops, at least I can speak Spanish, why is the shops gay with sweets and fancy goods suitable for holiday wear? but not with the pretty gifts such as, such as circulate from home to home in northern countries, for here gifts are not generally exchanged. Doctors, ministers, and landlords receive their yearly gifts of turkeys, cakes, and produce from their dependents. But the love of presenting dainty Christmas gifts has not reached the land of the three seas, the Cid, Cervantes, and Columbus. Do you know what you would probably do if you were a dark-cheeked Spanish lad named Miguel, or a bright-eyed Light-hearted Spanish maiden named Dolores, named Dolores. If you were Miguel, you would don your black jacket and brown trousers, knot your gayest kerchief around your neck, and walk with your guitar in hand. You would hasten forth to enjoy the fun that prevails in every street and every town in Spain on Christmas Eve, or, as it's known there, the Noche Buena. If you were pretty, if you were pretty Dolores, Dolores. You would surely wear your red or yellow skirt, or else of striped red and yellow, your best embroidered velvet jacket handed down from mother to daughter, and a wonderful sample of the handiwork that once made the country famous, your numerous necklaces and other ornaments. You would carefully braid your heavy dark tresses and bedeck your shapely head with bright flowers. Then, with your, excuse me, with your ponderetta, or tambourine in hand, Pandoretta. You too would join the merry throng that filled the air with mirthful songs and music on Noche Buena. For remember, quote, this is the eve of Christmas, no sleep from now till morn, end quote. The air is full of the spirit of unrest. Castanets click joyously, tambourines jingle their silvery strains, while guitars and other musical instruments Help to swell the babble of the sound preceding the hour of the midnight mass. Quote, at twelve, 
will a child be born? End quote. And if you have not already done some especially good deed to some fellow mortal, you will hasten to clear your conscience by such an act before the bills announce the hour of its birth. As the stars appear in the heavens, tiny oil lamps are lighted in every house, and among all devout Roman Catholics, the image of the Virgin is illuminated with a taper. The streets, which in many cities are brilliantly lighted with electricity, are crowded with turkeys awaiting purchasers. They are great fat birds that will have been brought in from the country and together with quacking ducks and cooing pigeons help to swell the sounds that fill the clear, balmy air. Streets and marketplaces are crowded with livestock, while every other available spot is piled high with delicious fruit, golden oranges, sober-hued dates, and indispensable olives is scattered among these are cheeses of all shapes and kinds, sweetmeats of all sorts, the choice candies that are brought from various provinces, and quaint pigskins of wine. No wonder everyone who can do so hurries forth into the street on Noche Buena. If you are not tempted to stop and gaze at these appetizing exhibits, you will pass quickly out of the bright-lighted booths devoted to toys. Oh, what a feast for young eyes! Here yours will surely light on some coveted treasure. It may be an ordinary toy, a drum, a horn, or it may be a holy manger. Shepherds, the wise men, or even the star of the east. It's hard to keep one's purse closed among such a surfeit of tempting articles, and everywhere money flows freely from hand to hand, although the Spanish are usually very frugal. As the bells clang out the hour of midnight, you will hurry to join the throng wending its way to the nearest church, where priests in their gorgeous robes, some of them worn only on this occasion, and precious with rare embroidery and valuable jewels, perform the midnight or cock crow mass and where the choir and the priest chant a sweet let's see chant a sweet christmas hymn together what if it's late when the service ends christmas eve without dancing is not to be thought of in spain so you go forth to find a group of gypsy dancers who are always on hand to participate in this great festival or you watch the graceful spanish maiden in her fluffy skirts of lace with her deep pointed bodice and bright flower in her coal black hair beside the tall comb and her exquisitely shaped arms adorned with heavy bracelets. Quote, oh, what magnificent eyes! What exquisite long lashes! End quote. You exclaim to yourself. See her poise an instant with the grace of a sylph. One slippered foot just touching the floor, then click, click, sound of the castanets, as they have sounded for upwards of 2,000 years and are likely to do for 2,000 more for their inspiring click seems necessary to move Spanish feet and give grace to the uplifted arms. At first, she may favor you with the energetic Fandango or the butterfly-like Bolero, but on Christmas Eve, the Jota is universal favorite. It is danced and sung to music, which has been brought down to the present time unwritten and to which was passed from mouth to mouth through many generations. Translated the words, do read, quote, Of Jesus, the nativity is celebrated everywhere. Everywhere reigns contentment. Everywhere reigns pleasure, unquote. The audience joining in the refrain, quote, Long live merrymaking, for this is the day of rejoicing, and may the perfume of pleasure sweeten our existence, end quote. It will probably be late in the, 
in the morning before the singing, dancing, and thoughtless crowd turns homeward to rest. And although it is certainly a crowd intoxicated with pleasure, it is never that in condition from, from liquor. There are three masses on Christmas Day, and old devout Catholics attend one of them at least, if not all. In some places, nativity plays are given on Christmas Eve or else on Christmas Day. They are long performances, but never tedious to the audiences, because the scenes appeal to them with the force of absolute realism. On Christmas morning, the postman, telegraph boys, and employees of various vocations present to their employers and others little leaflets containing a very a verse appropriate to the day or the single sentence with the single sentence. A happy Christmas, expecting to receive in return a Christmas box filled with goodies of some kind. While Spanish children do not have the Christmas tree to gather around, they do have the pretty I know this the Nacimiento made of plaster and representing the place of Christ's nativity with the manger, tiny men and women, Nacimiento and women, trees, and animals, such as are supposed to have existed at the time and place of the nativity. The nacimiento, meaning being born, is lighted with candles, and little folks dance gaily around it to the music of tambourines and their own sweet voices, joyously singing one of the pretty nativity songs. Groups of children go about the streets singing these songs, of which there are so many. In this pleasing custom of the nacimiento, one sees a vestige of the of Saturnalia, for during that festival, small earthenware figures used to be for sale for the pleasure of children. Although the Spanish race is a mixed one, with various people and various peoples have been in power from time to time, at one period the country was, with the exception of Basque, entirely Romanized. It is interesting to note that the lingering influence of the mighty Roman nature might. Uh, I'm sorry. It is an interesting to note the lingering influence of this mighty Roman nation and find in this some of the main features of the great Roman feast are retained in the great Christian feast of Yuletide. Southern races were always firm believers in fate. The, the, the Mohammedans referenced the tree of fate, but the Romans held sacred the urn containing the messages of fate. So the Spaniards cling to the urn from which at Christmas gatherings of friends it is accustomed draw, custom to draw the names of the men and women whom fate ordained shall be devoted friends during the year. The men performing all the duties of lovers. This drawing of one's fate for the coming year creates great merriment and often no little disappointment. But fate is, is inexorable, and what is to be done must be done. So the Spanish maiden accepts graciously the one fate thus assigned her. That's kind of scary. After the midday breakfast on Christmas morning, the people usually seek out out-of-door pleasures. Among many of the old families, only blood relations are expected to eat and drink together on this holy day. Ordinarily, the Spaniard may find perfect entertainment in a crust of bread and a bit of garlic, as the proverb claims. But as Yuletide, but at Yuletide, his stomach demands many delicacies peculiar to the season. The puchero ola, olla, the national dish for dinner, must have a few extra ingredients added on this occasion. The usual compound of chickens, capons, bacon, mutton, beef, pigs, feet, lard, garlic, and everything else the larder affords is quite insufficient to be boiled together on this occasion. However, if one has no relatives to invite him to a feast, it is an easy matter to secure a Christmas dinner on the streets where men are ready to cook for him over their 
over their braceros of charcoal, and vendors are near at hand to offer preserved fruits. The famous almond rock, almond soup, truffled turkey, are the most desirable of the Caesar delicacies, sea bream, which is brought from Cadiz, especially for Christmas use, and which is eaten at Christmas in accordance with the old-time custom. Nuts of all kinds are abundant. By the side of the streets, vendors, vendors of chestnuts, the finest in the world, lean against their clumsy two-wheel carts, picturesque in costumes that are ragged and soiled from long service. Rich layer cakes and preserves, having almond icing with fruits and liquor-filled ornaments of sugar on top, are frequently sent from friend to friend for dinner. In Seville, and possibly in other places, the people hurry to the cathedral early in the afternoon in order to secure good places before the high altar from which to view the the, the siestas or dancers. Siestas, okay. Yes, dances. This ceremony takes place at about five o'clock, just as the daylight fades and night draws near. Ten choristers and dancers indiscriminately turn siestas. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I'm thinking about one, two, three, yeah. Appear before the altar clad in the costume of 17th century pages, and reverently and with great earnestness, sing and dance an old-time minuet, with cast in accompaniment, of course. The opening song is in honor of the virgin beginning. Quote, Hail, O virgin, most pure and beautiful, end quote. Among the ancients dancing, was part of religious services, but is now seldom seen in churches. This Christmas dance, given in a beautiful cathedral just at the close of day, is a very impressive ceremony and forms a fitting close of the Spanish Christmas, which is so largely made up of customs peculiar to ancient and modern races. In every part of Spain, song and dance form an important part of the festivities of Yuletide, which last two weeks, although the laboring class observe but two days of pleasure. At the palace, the king holds a reception on New Year's, not for the public generally, but for the diplomats and grandees. The higher circles of society observe New Year as a time of exchanging calls and visiting, feasting and merrymaking. At the banquets of the wealthy, every possible delicacy in the way of food is temptingly displayed, and great elegance in dress indulged by in the ladies, who wear their finest gowns and adore themselves, adore themselves in priceless jewels and rare laces. But there is so much etiquette to be observed among this class of among this class of Spaniards that one looks for the real enjoyment of the season among the common classes. In some parts of Spain, bullfights are given as late as December. But cold weather has a softening effect on the poor bulls and makes them less ferocious. So unless the season proves unusually warm, that favorite entertainment has to be abandoned for has to be abandoned for a time. Meanwhile, in the streets and homes one might often see a father on old fours enacting the infuriated bull for his little sons to attack. In this way, he teaches them the envied art of bullfighting. The Yuletide festivities end at Twelfth Day Epiphany, when crowds of young folks go from gate to gate in the cities to meet the Magi, and after much merriment, they come to the conclusion that the Magi will not appear until the following year. Night of the Marvels. In such a marvelous night, so fair and full of wonder, Strange and new, ye shepherds of the of the vale, declare who saw the greatest wonder. Who? First shepherd. I saw the trembling fire look wane. Second shepherd. 
I saw the sun shed tears of blood. Third shepherd, I saw a God become a man. Fourth shepherd, I saw a man become a God. A wondrous marvels at the, at the thought. The bosom's awe and reverence move. But who such prodigies hath wrought? What gave such wondrous birth? Twas love. What called from heaven is the flame divine, which streams in glory far above, and bid it o'er the earth's bosom shine, and bless us with its brightness, love. Who bid the glorious sun arrest, his course and over heaven's concave move, and tears the saddest loneliness of the celestial orbs was love. Who raised the human race so high into the starry skies of pursuits above, that for our mortal progeny a man became a god, t'was love. Who humbled from the seats of light their lord or human woes to prove, led the great source of day to night, and made of gods and made a god a man, t'was love. Yes, love has wrought, and love alone. The victories all beneath, above, in heaven and earth shall shout as one, the old triumphant song of love. The song through all heaven's arches ran, and told the wondrous tales aloud, the trembling fire that looked so wan, the, we the weeping sun behind the cloud. A god, a god, became become a man, a mortal man become a god. By... That's by Violante de Seo, the Chael. Okay, we're coming up on Yuletide in America, and hopefully we can, hopefully, um, 739, uh, I guess we'll finish this. I think this is the last chapter of the book, so we'll be finishing the book up tonight. So now we can see how much of a difference there was to today with America. So I'll try and get through this. I may have to stop at 740, but, uh, We'll see how we do with it. Quote, And they who do their souls no wrong, but keep at eve the faith of morn, shall daily hear the angel song, Today the Prince of Peace is born. James Russell Lowell. To people who go into a new country to live, Christmas, which is so generally a family day, must of must necessity be a lonely homesick one. They carry with them the memory of happy customs, of loved ones far away, and observances which could never be held again. So many of the early Christmases in America were peculiarly sad ones to the various groups of settlers. Most especially was the case with the first Christmas ever spent with Europeans in the New World. The intrepid mariner Christopher Columbus entered the port of, of Bohio in the island of Haiti on St. Nicholas Day, December 6, 1492. And in honor of the day named that port St. Nicholas, the Pinta, with her crew, had parted from the others and gone her own way, so the Santa Maria and the Nina sailed on together, occasionally stopping where the port seemed inviting. While in one of these, Columbus heard of, of rich mines not far distant and started for them. The admiral and his men were tired from continued watching, and as the sea was smooth and the wind favorable, they went to sleep, leaving the ship in the care of a boy. Who he, who he was, no one knows, but he was evidently the first Christian boy to pass a Christmas Eve on this continent, and a sad one it was for him. The ship struck a sandbank and settled, a complete wreck, in the waters of the New World. Fortunately, no lives were lost, and the wreckage furnished material for the building of a fortress, which occupied the men's time during the remainder of the Yuletide. The Nina was too small to accommodate two crews, therefore on Christmas Day, many of the men were wondering who were going to stay on that far fresh island, that far fish island, that far away, sorry. 
that far away island among the strange-looking natives of whom they knew nothing. The chief of, of Guaripo, Petit Ayans, whom Columbus was on his way to visit at the time of the disaster, sent a fleet of canoes to, to the assistance of the strangers and did what he could to make them happy during the day. The Spaniards and the natives worked until dawn on Christmas morning, bringing ashore what they could secure from the wreck and storing it away on the island for future use. Strange to relate, they succeeded in saving all their provisions, the spars, and even many of the nails of the wreck Santa Maria. But what a Christmas morning! But what a Christmas morning for Columbus and his men, stranded on an island far, far from home, among strange people. There were no festivities to be observed by that sad, careworn company of three hundred men on that day. But the following morning, Chief G, I cannot say this word, I'm not even going to try, visited the Nina and took Columbus ashore where a banquet was prepared in his honor, the first public function attended by Columbus in America. It can be pictured only in imagination. There on the beautiful island, which seemed to be paradise on earth, with tall trees waving their long fronds in the warm breeze, with myriads of birds such as they had never seen flying, filling the air with song. Columbus stood, attired in his gorgeous uniform and dignified, as it befitted him to be. Beside his host, was, who was elegantly dressed, in a shirt and a pair of gloves, which Columbus had given him, with a coronet of gold on his head. The visiting chieftains, with gold coronets, moved about in nature's garb, among the thousand more or less who were present as guests. The feast consisted of shrimps, cassave, the same as the native bread of today, and some of their nutritive fruits. It was not a, it was not a sumptuous repast, although it may have been a bountiful one, yet they probably enjoyed it. The work of building a fortress began at once. Within ten days, the fortress of, uh, of Navidad was completed. It stood on a hill and was surrounded with a broad, deep ditch for protection against natives and animals and was to be the home of those who the comp of the company who remained in the New World, for the Nina was too small to convey all hands across the ocean to Spain, and nothing had been heard of the Pinta. Leaving biscuits sufficient for a year's supply of wine and such provisions as could be spared, Columbus bade farewell to the forty men whom he was never to see again and sailed to the Old World on January 4, 1493. So far as recorded, Columbus was the only one among the Spaniards who received gifts during his first Yuletide in America, but what seemed a cruel fate to him was the means of bestowing valuable gifts upon the world. Had the Santa Maria continued her course in safety that Christmas Eve, there might never have been a fortress of any European settlement found. So, although it was a sad, although it was a sad troubled Yuletide to the Spanish adventurers, it proved to be a memorable one in the annals of America. Four hundred years later, the anchor of the Santa Maria was discovered and brought to the United States to be one of the one of its treasured exhibits at the Great Columbian Exposition where a descendant of Columbus was, was the honored guest of the government. 150 years after the building of the fortress, after many ineffectual attempts, a settlement was effected in the New World by a colony from England. They sailed from Blackwell on the Thames on, the Thames on December 19, 1606, and for six weeks were knocking about inside of, inside of England. Their first Christmas was spent within sight of 
their old homes. According to Captain John Smith's account, it was indeed but a sorry Christmas that we spent on board, as many of them were very sick. Yet Smith adds, we made the best cheer we could. The colonists landed as solemnly founded Jamestown on May 13, 1607. That year, Yuletide was spent by Captain Smith among the Powhatan Indians, by whom he was taken captive. This colony consisted of men only. No genuine Christ Christian Christmas observance would take place without women and children, and no women arrived until 1609, and then only only 20 came. But after the 90 young after the 90 young women arrived in 1619, supplied supplied to planters for 100 pounds of tobacco each and a cargo of 20 and a cargo of 20 slaves that landed to help with the work. There may have been an attempt at keeping Christmas, although there is no record of the fact. Now, okay, let's remember this was written in you know in the 1900s, so I don't want anybody getting their patties in a bunch over all this, okay, because we're talking about slaves, we're talking about things like that, all right? So just, you know, don't turn me into Facebook or YouTube or anything like that, but I mean, this is how it was back in those days. So let's just let's just chill about that. In after years, in after years, prosperity smile. In after years, or never more. Oh, there I am. Okay, here we go. At this season, there was usually a raid made upon the Indians. Okay, Native Americans. Okay, we'll call it that. All right. Just remember, the terms aren't going to be the same, you guys. Okay, there was usually a raid made upon the Native Americans. Smith's last expedition against them was at Christmas time when, as he records in his journal, the extreme wind, rain, frost, and snow caused us to keep Christmas among the, among the salvages, where we were never more merry nor fed on more plenty of good oysters, fish, flesh, wildfowl, and good bread, nor never had better fires in England. And after years, prosperity smiled on the land of the Jamestown settlers. Amidst the peace and plenty, that followed the earlier years of strife and poverty. The Virginians became noted for their hospitality and lavish observance of Yuletide. It was the happy homecoming for daughters, sons, uncles, aunts, and cousins of the first, second, and even the third degree. For whoever was of the name and lineage, whether rich or poor, was welcomed at this annual ingathering of the family. Every house was filled to overflowing. Great hickory fires were lighted on the open hearth, the rooms were brilliantly lighted with candles and profusely trimmed with greens. From doors and ceilings were hung sprigs of the mysterious mistletoe for, quote, or the lover, I'll shake the buried mistletoe that he may long remember Christmas, end quote, was, a, was thought of merry maidens as they decorated their homes, was the thought of merry maidens. Christmas brought carriage loads of guests to these old-time homes to partake in the good cheer and enjoy weeks of fun and frolic indoors or out. For many days to Christmas before Christmas arrived, colored cooks Okay. Like I said, don't jump me on this, okay? Colored cooks, the regular and extra ones, were busy cooking from morning till evening, preparing for the occasion. The store was re were replete with every variety of tempting food the indigenous the ingenious minds of the cooks could devise. For Christmas dinner was the one great test of their ability to woe to auntie whose fire was too hot and whose judgment was at fault on this occasion. Okay. 
Okay, so here's where it gets... Okay, I'm going to try... Okay, I'm going to try and get around this. To all of them, Christmas was a season of peace and plenty, a peace, plenty, and merriment. In the great house and in the cabin, there were music, dancing, and games until New Year. This was hiring day, and among... Okay, and among the African-Americans, joy was turned to sadness as a way to work on distant plantations. Sadness as husbands, sorry, fathers, brothers, and lovers were taken away to work on distant plantations, okay? Okay, I'm getting uncomfortable. For those who hired extra help through the year were often extremely cruel in their treatment of the slaves. Right, remember, 1900s, guys, don't shoot the messenger. The gladsome Virginia Christmas in time became the typical one of the South. These are not my views. Where it was the red-letter day of the year, the most joyous of all holidays. The churches were lovingly and tastefully decorated with boughs of green and flowers by the ladies themselves and conscientiously attended by both old and young. In the South, there was never any of the somberness that attended church services in the North among descendants of the Plymouth Colony who came to America later. The Puritans of England early discountenanced the, uh, the observance of Christmas. But among the pilgrims who reached the American coast in December 1620 were mothers who lived so long in Holland they loved the old-time custom of making merry on that day. Okay? To these dear women and to the kind-hearted child-loving elder Brewster, we are all indebted for the first observance of the day held by the Plymouth Colony. According to the Journal of William Bradford, Kept for so many years, the pilgrims went ashore, and ye 25-day December began to erect the first house for common use to receive them and their goods. Bradford conscientiously refrains from alluding to the day as Christmas. That homemaking in New England was begun on Christmas Day. Many very interesting stories have been written about the first Christmas. One writer even pictures the more lenient elder Brewster as going ashore that morning and inviting the Native American chief, Massasoit, to go aboard the Mayflower with him. According to the story, the good man endeavored to impress the chief with, with, a, with, with the solemnity and significance of the occasion. And then Massasoit, two women and six boys and girls becoming attired in paint and feathers, he returned to the ship. The women and children from over the sea met their new neighbors and guests, received them with little baskets of nuts and wintergreen berries, and in exchange gave their guests beads, toys, raisins, and such simple gifts, to which Elder Brewster added a blessing bestowed upon each child. The story reads well, but the truth, according to history, makes the first visit of the Massasoit occur some three months later, on March 22nd. The Puritans had a happy Christmas dinner together on board the ship, which was the only home they possessed as yet. It is to be presumed that the exceedingly conscientious non-observers of the day partook quite as freely of the salt fish, bacon, Brussels sprouts, gooseberry tarts, and English plum pudding, as did these homesick, tear-choked women who prepared for dinner. It is certainly to be regretted that vessels are no longer built with the wonderful storage capacity of the Mayflower. Besides bringing over the innumerable family relics that are treasured throughout this country, it is stated that this ship brought a barrel full of ivy, holly, laurel, and 
immortelles with which the table was decorated and wreaths woven for the for children to wear. Bless those dear brave women who dared to bring green stuff for their heathenish decorations way across the ocean. Let us add a few extra sprays of green with Christmas in memory of them. The greens, plum pudding, and other good things have such a happy effect that, according to Bradford, okay, guys, as soon as I finish this paragraph, we're stopping. At night, the master caused us to have some beer. Ha, huh, bad beer. This was an event worthy of a capital B. As the men had worked all day in the biting cold at house, at house building, with only a scanty supply of water to drink. All right, I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to try and mark this. And, okay, so I'm going to try and mark this to finish it off. So I bookmark the page. See if I can, hang on a second, let's see if I can do something here. I'm going to try and put a highlight on it so I know where we left off. Hang on. So I can find this again because, okay. So I know where I'm at. So I'm going to try and somehow. Okay, select all text, web search. See if I can't. I'm going to leave the highlight on there and see what happens. So last that Christmas on the Mayflower. All right, let me add that over on my cell phone really quick so I know where to start, okay? Alas, that Christmas, alas. All right, let me mark this so I remember where we're at. Hang on. So I can get back in there. Let me put it in my notes on here. Hang on. So let me put this down. Hang on. Alas, that Christmas on the Mayflower. That way I know where I'm at. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for tonight. Tomorrow we, uh, I'll continue to read it because I'm, you know, I would have, I was going to like skip around, uh, excuse me, let me get up, skip around every other day on this book. But, uh, you know, since that's the last chapter, I think, I think that's the last chapter. What we got in the chat room? Hello. How we doing? Um, since that's the last chapter of the, of the book, I'm just going to start with that tomorrow. Happy New Year to you too. Happy New Year to everybody. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Uh, like I said, since that's the last chapter of this book, I'll just go ahead and start with that because we've only got probably maybe five or ten minutes more to read all that book, and then that's the end. And then we'll go back to our spooky, scary story book by Sylvia Schultz. And then what's interesting is I was looking through um, just Googling ghost stories. And these, these books, you guys can find these books too if you're interested in reading them. It's the Gutenberg Project. And the Gutenberg Project is a bunch of people that have taken old-time books like this that are out of copyright, and they've translated them. Because so, so a lot of them are in foreign languages, and they've done translations so that you can read them online. And try, you know, they transcribe them. So that's where I'm getting this, this book. And I'm going to be reading, there's quite a bit of ghost stories, books, within this Gutenberg thing. So I'm going to be reading books out of the Gutenberg, including, you know, not to mention Anna Maria Manalo's new book, where we're going to be reading from current authors as well. But I'm going to be reading a lot of stuff out, 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 of, the, out of this Gutenberg project. So it's kind of neat. It's kind of like an endless thing for me to read out of. 
So anyway, uh, tomorrow I will be back at 6.30 p.m. Pacific reading from this particular book to finish it off. And then we'll get back into Sylvia Schultz's book, um, a spooky, uh, spooky Christmas and Winter Tales. And then possibly tomorrow, and I think tomorrow night, maybe we'll uh, mess around with the light bright a little bit or we'll mess around and put a Lego together. How's that sound? Okay? So we'll do that as well. You know, after the show, you know, after I get off at 7.30 tomorrow, I'll just pop over to the other studio and we'll power it all back up again and, and, go, and go for another hour or so. Anyway, I want to thank you all for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. Everybody that is in the chat room, I appreciate each and every one of you. I want to thank you for coming and sticking with me all year. And if you're new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. Always happy to have you. But I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Same place, same time. And we'll continue reading. And hopefully this won't last forever. And I can get back to my normal eyeballs. Okay? All right, guys. See you tomorrow. Have a great evening.